0: Welcome back everyone, new people, old people. It's a new year of practice. I was um, reading a book on um, Mediterranean history over the Christmas period and I came across the meaning of um, Tel Aviv in, in Israel. It literally means old new land. Lovely name, isn't it? Lovely meaning. So welcome to Old New Dojo. Mm-hmm. Old New Place. Mm-hmm. Old New People. Um, towards the end of last year, I remember giving a, a brief talk on, that came out of a, a conversation that I had in one of my Buddhist psychotherapy seminars about um, intimacy and solitude. And just to fill you in on a bit of the, the background for those of you who weren't at that talk, is uh, uh, one of my colleagues, who some of you may know, doctor In Ing-Kong Tan, and I were on a panel together, and we were talking about Buddhism and psychotherapy, and In kong mentioned that uh, a Buddhist life is is an experience of aloneness. And in my presentation, I was talking about how Buddhism is an experience of intimacy, uh, and one of um, our, our friends in the audience who was there, um, Liz, who's a good friend of Chris's, um, said, Wing said it's about aloneness and you said it's about intimacy, so please explain, mm-hmm. and we kind of responded by saying it's both. They're the two sides of experience, is that um, we're completely alone in the world, and yet there's a way of being alone through which we experience deep intimacy with life. And um, in Zen practice, the word enlightenment, which is a word that many of us don't particularly like, it's kind of stuck, but in Zen Enlightenment is synonymous with intimacy, in all aspects of intimacy. We usually use that word in terms of the intimacy between um, lovers, between a man and a woman, or a woman and a woman and a man and a man. But we mean intimacy in the, in the broader, deeper sense. Intimacy with the moment, whatever that is. Intimacy with the ocean, with the air, with the garbage bin, with the rubbish on the street. That kind of intimacy. Um, in looking into this a little further, Coral also lent me this um, book by Thich Nhat Hanh, um, which is about aloneness too. It's called Our Appointment with Life, discourse on living happily in the present moment. And it's got interesting sutras in here that I've never even heard of, which are really interesting. And one of them, which is really interesting name, is a sutra called the God of the Forest Hot Spring Sutra. Yeah? The God of the Forest Hot Spring Sutra. It sounds very Californian, doesn't it? Yeah? It even sounds a bit trippy, too, doesn't it? Yeah. What was he on when he saw a god at the Forest Hot Spring? But um, the story behind it was that there was a monk bathing in a hot spring in a forest, and a god came and visited him. And he wanted to know an explanation about a particular sutra, another sutra, which is referred to as the um, "knowing how to be alone" sutra. This is a connection to intimacy and solitude. And the story behind that is that there were two two senior monks in the in the Buddha's um, community, and one was one was really enjoyed being alone. Um, and uh didn't really mix with the rest of the community that much but all the all the other monks really loved him and respected him and thought he was a really wonderful person and then there was another monk who was alone and kept himself separate and 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 really liked aloneness but he didn't have the respect of the other monks in in the community he seemed somewhat aloof or whatever so there was a difference in the aloneness and uh the Buddha gave a, a sutra, and, and there's a, a, a poem that goes with it, and he, the teaching he gave to this, he said, I know, I realize that you like being alone, and that's okay, but there's a way of being alone, and there's a way of being alone, and he said to him, um, do not pursue the past, do not lose yourself in the future, the past no longer is, the future has not yet come. Looking deeply at life as it is in the very here and now, the practitioner dwells in stability and freedom. We must be diligent today to wait until tomorrow is too late. Death comes unexpectedly. How can we bargain with it? The sage calls a person who knows how to dwell in mindfulness night and day one who knows the better way to live alone. So really, the issue here is not about in a Zen life or a Dharma life, it's not literally about, um, we're not aspiring to be alone, like a monk necessarily living in a forest. Um, there's a way of what the Buddha's referring to in terms of being truly alone or experiencing true solitude is, is really talking about the teaching of non attachment is that you're just alone with your experience without being actually attached to your experience. So you can be intimate with other people, you can be intimate with different experiences that come and go, but you're not trying to hang on to it, and you're not trying to push away from it. That is to be truly alone. That's why it's really false, it's really just a one-sided teaching to consider that Dharma practice aspires to aloneness like a monk or a a nun in a forest by themselves doing meditation. So they're kind of cut off from the world. So one can be non-attached in the midst of community. One can be non-attached in the midst of a a sexually intimate relationship. One can be non-attached as a monk or a nun living in a forest. It's the it's the freedom of attachment which is really at the core um, of the process. One little um, clarification too about living in the present moment. I talked a lot about this in in previous talks, but there's, there can be a misunderstanding that the aspiration of Buddhism is to live in the present moment as though. The present moment doesn't include the past or the future. The present moment includes the past and the future. Mm -hmm. What the Buddha's words here, in particular, to look at the the, the, um, nuance of the language, do not pursue the past. Mm -hmm. Don't pursue it. That's very different from recognizing memories that come up. It could be like, memories that come up from childhood or from anywhere, from last year. You can observe those memories mindfully and you know, pay attention just in the same way you can pay attention to the sound of the traffic going by. And that's not to pursue them. It's just to be aware of them. And in the same way, you can um, not lose yourself in the future. You can, be able, you can plan ahead that's going, that's looking at the future, but you're not, you're not lost in the future. The past and the future, if you're really practicing, are included in the present moment. So don't get caught up in these rigid concepts, literal concepts of living in the present. You become a robot. Not human. When you reflect on the nature of pursuing the past and getting lost in the future too, it really divides quite neatly into um, mm. clinical identities, I suppose. You could, you could see as a, as a psychologist, or just as a person interested in Western psychology, usually when we're pursuing the past, we're caught up in regret, and it's more like a depressive kind of experience. And when anxiety is the predominant feature, it's usually about the future, It's about what might happen, what if. In mm-hmm. fact, in all its different forms, what if, what, that might happen, that might happen. But there, there's the way it breaks down in modern terms. Often depression is about preoccupied with the past, anxiety is preoccupied with the future. Mm-hmm. But if you feel down, or if you feel anxious, and you bring your attention just to that bodily experience of it, then you bring yourself right back into the present. It's the simple but effective way of working with those two kind of um, forces that act on us, which we all experience to one degree or another. So, that's me for this evening. Anything you'd like to share on this old new day?